Hey guys, Cade Wilcox here, host of the Primitive Podcast. On today's episode, we have Dan Williams, the owner of Williams & Company, a really creative, innovative, great real estate company based out of Lubbock, Texas. I've known Dan a long time, been our go-to realtor. I've always been really impressed, especially with his level of customer service. He's always been a very high volume realtor. And one of the greatest things I've always noticed about him is he's so not salesy. And I've always really admired that about him. He just seeks to be helpful. And so in today's podcast, we're going to talk a lot about leadership, work-life balance, when he thought about starting his own business, just hear a little bit about his story. Hope you enjoy. And I really appreciate you being here. I know you're super busy, so thanks for thanks for joining. Um, excited, I, you know. I obviously know you really well, but I'm excited for others to get to know you also. So, um, just start uh, by sharing a little bit about your background, where you're from, and and just a little bit about your story. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in small town, much like probably a lot of the people that uh, you talk to uh, here. Um, I grew up in Milshew, about an hour away from Lubbock. Uh, family was in the retail business okay and so we started with off supply store in like 1963 um, and that branched into some retail clothing shoes general store in 1996 um, and I was there through all that and uh, helped with the family business growing up and worked a lot um, and then uh, graduated from Milshew, came up to play a little bit of basketball at LCU uh, with a buddy of mine and then stuck around, enjoyed it, uh, got a business degree uh, from LCU and then basically immediately went into real estate. Not, not quite, I mean, a few months later, got into real estate, kind of a weird story how that just stumbled over it. I knew mm. nothing about real estate. <laughs> My parents knew nothing about real estate. Uh, so you had never thought about being in real estate in the past? No, not at oh. all. Monster.com ad. Really? Yeah, dead serious. And it said fifty thousand a year salary, and I was like, "Huh? I didn't know they did salaries in real estate." Well, it turns out they don't. <laughs> and uh, so, but yeah, so uh, interviewed for uh, like three interviews at Coldwell Banker, and then ended up saying like, "Man, I better now than never," and uh, gave a shot. I knew sales was my thing. Yeah. I knew I always wanted to be in sales, um, and so got into real estate right after that and then have now been doing that since so 506 okay. so uh about 15 years that's awesome what what sparked your desire for sales obviously it sounds like you grew up in a retail environment so your parents probably worked nights and weekends and holidays and so you kind of grew up probably in the back room and then and then on yeah. the showroom floor so. yeah pretty much so I, yeah i grew up at our office supply store um like playing in the back you know every day after school i would walk from school uh, to the office supply. Um, and then I started helping like with deliveries. That's when you delivered paper to people. Okay. Wow. Um, and, uh, we did, you know, sold a jillion typewriters and that kind of stuff back then. Wow. And then, uh, yeah. And then that just kind of, uh, morphed and, uh, in the retail business as we grew into in 96, we kind of realized like, man, office supply, like these places, like, uh, office max were, you know, and, and Walmart got into, you know, yeah. office supplies. And so they're selling it for what we're able to buy it for because they're buying in such bigger quantities. Wow. So it changed our business pretty dramatically. And we were like, we need to get into something, you know, 
different. And so we reached out and got a contract with Nike and like Caterpillar Boots and a couple of others. Mm. Uh, it was a long process. And, uh, but anyway, so we had a huge building on Main Street in Milshu, um, divided that up and uh, had two businesses there, Off Supply and that, uh, the clothing and shoe store. And I started helping a lot with that. So I would help from market, go do shopping. I mean, I started when I was 12 or so. Wow, that's um, super cool. Yeah, All kinds of skills you probably learned doing that. Yeah. So this, this is interesting. So uh, you probably have a unique perspective on how you brought up Walmart. You probably have a unique perspective on kind of how like Amazon, Walmart, and now, now Target, I mean, all of them are online now, but particularly Amazon. So do you, do you vividly remember when y'all's, you know, kind of small, small town, locally owned kind of, you know, retail store was dramatically impacted by, by the Amazons of the world? Oh yeah. Big time. Um, I mean, it was just, it, you know, and it started happening and it started going quick. Mm. And is it so, just as literally as simple as people buy the same products, but now they're buying them literally online versus in person? I mean, is it that simple? Yeah, and it was, you know, it was cheaper because yeah. they're buying lots of it. Yeah. And, you know, what's hard for me and what I, I still like about Lubbock is, you know, we're very supportive of the local businesses. But that's that was it's really hard for me to see people go buy online or go do that. I know it's convenient, uh, but the, the person that has a great shop on 50th street, um, and gives back to his local community and hires those people and pays taxes here and does all that stuff. Those are the people that you have to support. And you understood that in Mm -hmm. Milshu, it was different. And you know, we, and we were behind five years on everything. So it took longer to hit there. And so we could, you could see what's happening in other markets and kind of try to adjust, try to adjust a little bit. So we did, you know, eventually we had to move from main street, you know, your old main streets where everybody shopped like bells was across the street Mm -hmm. from us. You know, we moved from there. We got a grant with the city that we applied for and moved out onto the highway, um, where, you know, we'd get more traffic that came by. Yeah. Um, so it kind of changed the dynamics. It was tough to, so none to of these questions have anything to do with yeah. what I told you about, but now, yeah. now I'm stuck on it. So I'm just going to keep asking, what do you think? I mean, again, I guess just giving you a unique experience with it. You know, if, if, uh, if you're a small shop owner, it doesn't matter what you're selling, but if you're a small shop owner and you know, you're, you're still trying to be viable and competitive given everything you just said about, you know, convenience, price online. I mean, I, 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 I mean, we're, we buy almost virtually everything online now, but if you're that small shop owner, how do you think in the 21st century with, with the way everything has changed that you can still be viable or can you be viable? You know, how do you, how do you carve out for yourself an opportunity, um, being a local retail store of anything given, given the nature of the Amazons of the world? Yeah, and I think this goes back to some of the stuff that uh, was on your questions, but, uh, I mean, I think it, and and it goes to some of what you guys talk about in marketing and that's having a story and something that people attach to, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, like, um, you know, one of the best examples, I mean, there's a couple of coffee shops in town that I would say they have that story, that background that Mm -hmm. people attach to and want to support. And then there's the, like the mountain hideaways of the Mm -hmm. world that like people love and they've suffered, you know, dramatically during things like this. But, and, and I mean, our business, our family business sold out in like 2015. And those people I think have since maybe even closed the store. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just changed. But I mean, I think you've got to have a story that people attach to, 
um, and you can't uh, you can't be a commodity, yeah. right? You have to you figure out how to differentiate. Yeah, and that's what I mean. That's what I tell our, our sales agents mm. uh, at our office is you can't be a key to the door. Um, you got to provide a lot more value than that. Mm. If you're a key to the door, there's there's 1,300 of those Lots in town those. <laughs> that can can do that service for somebody. Mm. Um, so you got to be a lot greater than what that is. And so I think that's where it boils down to. And you got to offer people something that when they come in, it's, it's, you know, this experience is, is off the charts and nobody's ever going to go tell somebody else about, uh, uh, their expectations being met. And so you've got to be greater. You've got to exceed their expectations for somebody to go retell that story. Be compelled enough to to be an advocate. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's good. That's curious. I, I always admire people, particularly people who are entrepreneurs. They start these small, small businesses in retail because, um, yeah, if you're not, if you don't have a unique story, like you're saying, if you don't dif- differentiate in terms of service or whatever, it, whatever it is you're doing, you just you got a very short sh- shelf life compared to a lot of larger competitors. So, all right, well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. You know, at what point, uh, or can you remember a point where you knew that you wanted to own your own business and and kind of go down this path you are now at Williams and Company? Like, at what point did it become real to you that you kind of wanted to, to build your own thing? Yeah, I think uh, I probably always knew that. I mean, because when I, you know, went through college and, you know, growing up working for your own family. Right. Um, and you got that control of, of, you know, if you see something that needs to be changed, you can change it. And, um, you know, when I was in, in um, college and worked at United Supermarkets, I was a, a day stalker. And that, which was a great experience. You learn so much about all these systems that you put in place, but then you like, you're seeing efficiencies that you want to put in place. And I mean, you're just a a cog in the wheel. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, you're not much there. And so, um, I think I always knew that that's what I wanted to do. And that's, what's so great about sales is you can kind of control how that, the outcome of situations and you can help people so much through uh, a sales role job. So, and, and then, when I was at Coldwell Banker and Westmark, which were great companies, you know, it was always, you know, I was like, how can I help? How can I help change the future of this? How can I see, you know, it was always seeing those things. And it's, you know, then you realize like the only way you do that is, is, you know, you got to take the risk and your name's going to be on the building. Uh, but a lot comes with that. Uh, at the same time, a lot comes with that, you know, right. you know, right. Lots of responsibility. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you've worked since you were really young. I mean, again, you know, it's really the benefit of being a part of a family-owned business is your, your mom and dad were always working, so you were with them, and so you observed them working. You you then started working earlier than most. Sounds like you even worked at United, and so it sounds like you've always wor- you know, worked. Now, uh, you know, now that you're, you know, approaching the, the 40-year-old mark, what, when you look back over the last 20, 30 years of, of your work, and I, I know it was different when you were in 10 than it is now, but you know, that's not commonplace now. Mm-hmm. You know, now, and I don't mean to be too you know, you know, generalist here, but like not a lot of kids work, right? They, they, they kind of don't work until they're either in college or out of college, and it's like kind of a shock to the system. <laughs> when you reflect on even the way that your parents raised you because of being in a retail store, what are what do you think some of the most uh, I don't know obvious things um, in hindsight for you that you learned in that experience? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I definitely learned my work ethic from my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing them work 
um, six days uh, a, a week was you know uh, an easy week and most of the time it was seven days so I learned a ton from them just how to, how to do that and how to run a business with um, you know with love and care uh, you know you love on all those people that walk in the door no matter what they need you know sometimes you may make money sometimes you may not make money um, so I, I think that was probably some of the 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 catalyst that helped me get to the point where I am. And, you know, I learned so many business concepts before I ever went into business school, like business school, like helped clean all of that up maybe. Right. Um, cause we didn't know my parents didn't have college degrees. They mm. were just hard workers. Right. And so, um, I mean, I think that's probably the, the critical thing I learned and, and to kind of set a vision, um, you know, I think uh, so that way everybody that walks through your door uh, knows what your vision is and and everybody that's working there kind of has that same same mindset of like, yeah. okay, we're taking care of the customer no matter what that uh, equates to money-wise. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of probably helped and led into where I'm at now with Wednesday. Yeah, Friday. that's awesome. I mean, I, I, I would imagine there's so much that you got to see and watch, you know, in very formative years from, you know, the time you were born to the time you were in high school where you, you just got to learn by observing and it just kind of became ingrained in you. And it's a good reminder for those of us with young kids too, you know, yeah. that, that, that demonstrating that very early on, even if it doesn't make sense to them, has a huge impact long-term. And, and I look at the success you've had and how effective you are as a leader. And certainly some of that comes from the fact that you got to observe it for so long. So it's really cool. So you started Williams and Company, is it three years old now? Yeah, three years. About three years. Okay, so when you think over the last three years, you know, what are two or three things that, that you've learned in, in that time? So not before then, but things you literally have learned because three years ago you decided to throw up your own shingle, start yeah. your own business, start taking on a bunch of risks that, you know, like happens when you start your own thing. So what are some things that, that jump out to you that you've really learned in these last couple of years? Yeah, really um, being intentional is probably like top. Um, you know, just being intentional, whether it's like intentional in your hiring process uh, intentional with your customers, intentional with your staff, intentional with the agents that work there, uh, just really setting expectations right. Um, I think that's been really key for me to learn, and I've learned a lot of that the hard way because I'm a conflict avoider uh, big time. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I'm like, okay, how can I solve this problem without ever having to talk to somebody? <laughs> right. I just, I'll just stay up all night until I get this solved. And so, and you know, so having conversations with people has been. Uh, you know, I've learned that uh, a lot of that the hard way, um, you know, uh, setting that vision, um, you know, has been crucial for me to, to set the vision for the team and kind of, um, you know, keeping that simple of, you know, okay, hey, everybody, all we do is we add value to people's lives through real estate. And so that that's every single day and and ingrained into everybody that, um, you may not get paid today, but and you may not get paid tomorrow, but always eventually you're going to get taken care of for doing the right thing. Mm. And so that's uh, our people are, are really sold out on that. And, um, you know, and then and then that goes to the people hiring the right people. We can I can teach anybody the real estate aspect of things and how to do the contracts. And uh, but it, it's hard to take somebody from you know, being solely focused on, you know, in sales, a lot of people are solely focused on getting the sell and making the money. Um, and then, so having those conversations in the hiring process of, okay, what's, what's really important to you? Is it, 
Is it the deal? Is it the money? Or is it, you know, taking care of those people? Um, and so we've got, we've just got a great team of people over there right now that everybody's sold out on that vision. What have you learned from failure or, or, or some of your biggest challenges? Like what, what, what's kind of just like slapped you in the face and has kind of forced you to, to look, to learn from it? Yeah, I, I was, a um, I can do everything myself kind of guy. Like, and so it took me a long time to realize like the benefit of hiring somebody that can take care of something. You know, I think it's somewhere, I, you know, you hear the saying or something like if they can do it 80, 85 percent as good as you could do it, then you need to be outsourcing that. Mm. And so um, hiring those people in to come in and fill in the gaps has made a big difference for me. And I learned that the hard way. I mean, I've always been, all right, I'm going to do everything. I can do it all myself. Right. I can work more hours than anybody I can. And that's, you know, that goes back to what my parents did. We always just. I can outwork anybody right. if that's the, if, if it's, that's all it's about, right. I can outwork them. And so that's, uh, um, I've learned that the hard way. Uh, I mean, it took me a long time to realize like you need to hire somebody to do this, um, and they can do it and they're going to end up doing it better than what you can. And that's hard when you're really proud of, <laughs> right. of yourself. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. No, I, I totally, I totally get it. That's, that's really good. Who, uh, who's influenced your personal growth and leadership the most? Like, you know, when you think back over the years, obviously your parents have made a huge impact on you. So maybe someone other than your parents, but like, who, who do you think's influenced you or maybe it's a book or if it's a person or whatever the case may be? Yeah, I, um, I'm a big learner. I'm a big reader, uh, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. I think you can learn so much from these people that have been ahead of you. And so, um, I mean, I would say I, I took bits and pieces of how I've, I've done my business from everybody that I've worked with. I mean, there was great people at Coldwell Banker. There was great people at Westmark that kind of like poured into me. And mm-hmm. I was really fortunate to have them in those times that, that kind of taught me, okay, this is how you do this aspect of the business. This is how you do this. And then I've taken bits and pieces of all of that. And that's what I was compiling all these years to start Williams and Company. Um, and, and so I took a lot from... You know, I mean, it goes back to LCU professors, how they, you know, uh, some of those there loved on me there that kind of, you know, you know, encouraged, yeah. encouraged me. And then those uh, in the real estate game before and now, you know, there's uh, some great there's so much information out there now yeah. um, from from podcasts and books. And so I'm a big, uh, big reader. And I feel like I've, I've taken so much from that to kind of learn how my leadership style should be or how I should uh, treat people and being really intentional about that is, uh, is good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, okay, so these last couple of questions are really, really practical. So feel free to be as practical, practical as you can think. But how do you, or do you have rather a specific approach to the way that you manage your time? You know, one, one thing that, you know, I understand uh, in a way that you do just because we both started, you know, small businesses is, they're just a lot of things vying for your time, especially when you love your family. You know, you want to spend as much time there. There are other things that you do beyond work, and yet work has all these things that you know are required of you, especially especially early on when you're you're building a team like like you mentioned. So, are are there certain like really practical things that you do that really help you manage your time, or or do you or maybe you just always feel like you're drowning? <laughs> yeah, I think for a long time I always felt like I was drowning, like. Um, until I kind of learned some of those things by having my own office. Um, so I, um, 
spending time on things today that'll save you time tomorrow. That's good. Um, and so that's really, uh, that has stuck with me for a really long time. And so that's like creating the system, creating the efficiency. And so it's uh, creating that checklist so that we're not missing things every time. Because we're, we're doing transactions over and over. Granted, each one are a little bit different. Right. Um, but if I can create, that's why, you know, we've been able to have, you know, the highest uh, per person productivity in the city for our office is by having efficiencies and each agent can do so much business um, by, by just creating some of those efficiencies. And that's probably like the biggest thing to manage that time so that then you can go home at a certain time. And I had an agent at Coldwell Banker that kind of poured into me like setting boundaries early up front. Um, cause if you don't do it up, I mean, granted there's seasons of life and I'm a big person that talks right. on seasons. I think you probably talk on that. We've got a mutual friend that talks on seasons. And so like, yeah, there's going to be seasons that are different than others and understanding that and talking about that with your spouse and your family, like, Hey, this is, we know that this is the summer selling season and we don't travel a whole lot. Like right. we, we travel around that. And, uh, so there's certain things that, that we really focus on there. But, you know, you create efficiencies and systems that you can put into place and, and those can really kind of support you at any point in time um, when you're kind of out of whack and, and, you know, and having people that are accountable. Right. You know, like you're, you got to be, you know, my spousal should be the first one to let me know. And, <laughs> Holds and, you accountable, yeah. Yeah, and so Lydia's been really good about that um, to kind of keep me in tune with, with those kind of things. Speaking of your family, how do, you, how do you balance work and family, especially when you're trying to grow something? Now you're yeah. responsible, you know, for, for your team, for your staff, for your employees. Yeah. And so uh, what, what's that, like kind of learning that balance? I mean, because in, in one sense, when you were an agent by yourself, right, it's just like you were Dan Williams and you yeah. were an agent at Westmark you know, it's just kind of you, but now, now you're responsible for a whole, whole company. You have multiple employees. What does that look like for you kind of balancing that responsibility and, in in that, that sense of responsibility with the rest of your life and, and young girls and all that stuff? Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it goes back to, if it's important to you, you'd be doing it already probably. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the, uh, and Lydia has been really good about keeping me in check on that kind of stuff. And which is really important. She's, um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations recently about that of, you know, making sure that these girls know who their dad is. And, you know, if, if, uh, they're not part of your story, they're going to be part of somebody's story. Like mm-hmm. they're going to attach to something. And so that's really been important to me is to be there, to be at their events. Um, and to, to know, uh, I haven't always been great about that for sure. Like in, you know, you go through a season that it's, it's difficult, uh, but, um, and that's why hiring the right people that can help support you and you can work together to get things done. Uh, but, and scheduling it. So being intentional, that goes down to like me and Lydia's like we calendar lunch once a week. Now, uh, we, we have never done that until the past couple of year, you know, past year. Um, and you know, having everything in that calendar to know that, Hey, this is where I'm at, and this is, and so my assistant's gonna know, like, hey, I'm with my wife right. at this time. Very proactive, very and, intentional. Yeah, and so that uh, that and that's that intentionality that I learned a long time ago, and Lydia taught a lot of that to me. Uh, but that that was that's been key in not only business but in family. Yeah, that's and cool. So yeah, that's really good. I I uh, 
I probably take this too far. Uh, Lacey gets on to me a lot, but coming into 2020, a couple of months left when 2019, I pr- printed out 12 months of calendar, you know, the, yeah. the actual sheets of paper. No, I love that. And I started, I circled every single trip. I planned it all before 2020 even happened. She says that's extremely obsessive, but like you've just no. been talking about intentionality, you, something's going to vie for your, something's going to get your time. Yeah. And so if you don't budget your time, you know, it, it, it someone else is going to get it. And instead of being, you know, proactive, you're reactive. And so I appreciate when you use words like proactive and intentionality, because it really, you know, it really doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's your own business or you're a teacher or whatever, if you're not intentional, you're going to, you're going to be reactive. Yeah. And I did the good. same thing with my calendars. Like we looked at, okay, here's all of our travel for the right. year. So let's like, okay, so if this is a priority, it, that, that needs to be there yeah. first and then we can work around that. And that's where like most of your clients and real, a lot of real estate people are like, Oh, I can't do that. Or I can't do this because I'd miss somebody. And I mean, if you tell them out far enough in advance and you're setting that expectation, of, Hey, this is my yeah. time. And, and I talk about that with the agents. Like, don't say, Hey, what's, what's, what works for you? Right. Uh, does, you know, Monday, Tuesday, you tell me what works for you. No, send them, Hey, uh, I have Tuesday at 3.30 or Wednesday at 4 or give them some options and they're going to respond most likely with, hey, that one works. And now I'm now I'm calendared and it works within everything that I've got going. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's super, super helpful. And for those who are listening who maybe aren't as intentional or, or proactive in that, it really is transformative and would encourage you to consider what that would even look like in your own life. Um, all right, last question for you. You know, what keeps you inspired? You know, what helps you think about the future? Again, one of the big challenges of really for anyone when you get in the work, right? You're, you're constantly in the work. You're, you're focused on the work. How does Dan Williams kind of rise out of the day-to-day, out of the details, out of the very necessary things that are part of running a business and think about the future and stay encouraged and stay inspired as, as the leader and in, in, in kind of the, the, the pulse maker, if you will, of, of your company? I mean, I think that comes from, uh, you know, part of that's family, Lydia, Maddie, and Abby. Like, you know, I think that keeps me inspired um, to, to go and do, and they uh, encourage me in that, um, you know, but being surrounded by great people, mm. um, you know, you're the sum total of the people that you hang out with the most. That's so true, isn't it? And so, and yeah, and I, you know, you see those people and you connect with those business people. And that's why we do things like, you know, some of these young leadership type events yeah. where you're just connected to other people that are encouraging you to be more than what you are. And I think there's that balance though, too, where you kind of get too off the rails and you kind of start focusing so much on work. Uh, or, or being something. Um, so then, then you got to sit back and say like, okay, I, I should have defined success. I'm, I was terrible at that at the start. Like mm-hmm. in, in sales, it's really easy to get out of that. Like you've got to define success for yourself so that you know kind of, all right, I'm good stopping right here and I'm, I'm good and I'm going to dig in and I'm just going to be better within this instead of saying I need more or I need you know something else. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so kind of like the, um, my theme for this year, I stole from, uh, it was a little bit of a cheesy book, uh, <laughs> a love letter life. And it was, um, it, and he was talking in relation in a relationship, uh, mode, but I've kind of used this with my girls is, uh, is this the story you want to tell? And so like kind of asking yourself in everything that you do. Um, that's kind of inspired me a little bit this year. Like mm-hmm. and we were, I was on a trip and I've got a daughter that's super sweet and super smart. 
and very timid. And she's like, I, you know, I'd love to go on this big slide, but I'm too scared. I don't want to do it. And I was like, and I just, as it came and I was like, is that the story you want to tell? Mm. And she's like, what do you mean? She, I was like, well, when we go back to school on Monday, um, is that the story you want to tell everybody? You want to say like, Hey, I went to Cancun and I wouldn't go on this huge mm. slide. That was so awesome. And she's like, no, I, I'd rather tell them that I went on the slide. And I was like, well, great. Then let's, then let's do then the let's slide. Go, let's go do <laughs> the slide. Awesome. And she did, which <laughs> was awesome. shocking to yeah. me. And it's like that statement and, and kind of thinking that through and everything that you do, like, is that the story you want to tell? Mm. Um, and I, that's been changing and inspiring for me yeah, this year. Cool. Like, of you know, with every decision you make, if you can kind of ask yourself that. Um, and then it goes back to, you know, customer service with right. the agents in the office. Is that, is that what you want to tell? Is that the story you want them telling other people? Mm. Um, and so asking yourself that over and over. So I'm hoping that's a cool theme that's for really kind good. of the year. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. Well, man, thanks for all your time. I've, I've admired you uh, for a long time, even even back when the Nashville Swifts were pounding on the, uh, the, the mule shoe. Uh, was it Broncos? Mules? Mules, mules shoe? Yeah. Mules, mules, mules. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think our very one of our very first games uh, out of football season was against y'all one year, and I, I remember. Do you remember Daryl Lewis? Uh, yeah, I played Daryl Lewis. WT, I think he right? just ran over yeah. one of y'all's guys, just <laughs> like sure knocked him out. It's like we just came out of football, and it's, yeah, mm, yeah. Not that anyone else would care about this, but the first time I remember playing you guys was uh, in that in that summer league in Dimmit in their old gym. Uh huh. Um, you remember that? Is in a summer league. That's uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so all of our listeners are now saying, "Okay, time to end this podcast." <laughs> No one gives two rips. Nobody cares. And mules you basketball. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, man, thanks for being on. I, I, I uh, in the intro that I recorded prior to this about it, I, I just, I, I just shared why I admired you, and just you know, first of all, your effort and, and how much you put into your work, but then just the way that you know you you uh, you provide a service. You you never come across salesy. You're extremely helpful, and so it's cool to hear you know, you talk about even how you've tried to establish your company and the way you approach it. And for me, you know, one, as, as a client of yours, but then, you know, sending other people to you as well, is like actually observing that in practice. So it's cool to hear you talk about it, but then for me to be able to observe it and see it makes it even, even cooler. So thanks for sharing all that knowledge and for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me here. It's been great. It's uh, likewise, we enjoy seeing what you guys are doing over here across the alley from us. Across the alley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah.